0: Ask anyone who's had a major water leak and they'll tell you most of the damage could have been prevented if they had been able to stop the leak sooner. Groa, maker of innovative German engineered showers and faucets, is helping busy homeowners like you prevent water damage and protect your home even when you're away. The new Groa Sense Guard is an intuitive smart water controller that detects leaks, alerts you via your smartphone, and automatically shuts off your water supply before more damage is done. Protect your home, vacation, or rental properties with Groa Sense Guard and quickly stop water damage before a drip becomes a flood. Listeners of Inside the Hive can save 35% on Groa SenseGuard only at groa.us slash hive19. That's G-R-O-H-E dot U-S slash H-I-V-E on the number 19. Once again, save 35% on Growa SenseGuard at Growa.us slash hive19. Welcome to Inside the Hive. I am your host Nick Bilton, and I am also the guest this week and I'm gonna be interviewed by the none other than John Kelly, John.
1: Yeah, Nick, we're gonna we're gonna change things around this week. I'm sick of hearing your voice. No, that's not true. Mm. Um, we are doing what Bill Simmons calls an emergency pod because you've just um, you've just published on the Hive a real shit-kicking piece of reporting about the final days of Theranos. Uh, we are living in a, a another Theranos moment. It, it seems that. Wherever you look, uh, people continue to be fascinated by the demise of Elizabeth Holmes' unicorn blood testing company. There's the HBO documentary that's coming out. There's the ABC News podcast. Adam McKay is casting uh, Jennifer Lawrence to play Elizabeth Holmes in in a future movie based on John Kerry's book, which has sold 500,000 copies. But you have the exclusive story on what happened in the final days, weeks, and months leading to its demise. So let's get right into it, okay? Let's do it. That's party. So Nick, I think the, the most exciting and terrifying and just weird part of your story, uh, it begins in September two thousand seventeen. So in, and just to to paint the room as you like to say, by September twenty seventeen, Elizabeth Holmes and, and Theranos are in pretty dire shape, right?
0: The yeah, they are in big, big trouble.
1: Big big trouble. Carrie Roo's already been uh, investigating the company for for two years. You'd written a a big story about Theranos. The um, the FBI, the SEC, they're all investigating the company. Walgreens, which was basically its only revenue source, has shuttered the relationship. Everyone knows that its blood testing kit, the Edison, doesn't work reliably, and that Elizabeth Holmes's quixotic plan to, to take a pinprick of blood and test for like a jillion diseases isn't going to work. Most people would have given up. They would have settled. They would have worked with lawyers to, to deal with regulators to try and make this all go away. But
0: Elizabeth Holmes had a different plan. Why don't you tell us what she was going to do? So Elizabeth Holmes, in her typical Elizabeth Holmesian fashion, decides that she is going to deal with this situation in a very different way. So in the early days of Theranos, she actually took private jets all, all over the place. She was she used to flying a Gulfstream jet, and that's according to Carrie who reporting in his book. And also, she also told The New Yorker that uh, a few years ago, but she gets – she she's now downgraded to only flying first class. So she, she still has a uh, two drivers. She has two personal assistants, assistants. She has her own security details. She's driven around. And she sometimes is driven around in an armored car. She's driven around now in a big black Cadillac Escalade. And she has this team driver to the airport, and she gets on a first-class flight, and she goes all the way to the East Coast. And there she goes to a dog breeder's house, and she gets a nine-week-old Siberian husky. So she has the name picked out for the husky. It's called Balto. So Balto, it's not the cartoon from Disney. The crazy part about the Balto story is Balto is this famous dog, uh, also a Siberian husky, who in uh, the early 1900s, I think it was over 1925 or so, uh, ends up doing this famous run in Alaska. It's about a 600-mile run from Anchorage to the small little town where people are dying from diphtheria. And Balto, this dog... Uh, as the as folklore goes, um, ends up getting them this uh, this medicine that saves everyone and stops the world from crumbling um, to this disease. So there's so a metaphorical decides, quality here, right? This uh, is this total is, metaphorical quality here. So she decides she's going to call her Siberian Husky Balto, and so she comes back to um, Palo Alto. And she decides also that Balto is going to go with her everywhere she goes. She's going to follow her through the labs uh, with the blood testing going on in, in board meetings, you name it. Uh, but there's a few problems. Of course, the scientists are like, what the fuck are you doing? This is a blood testing facility. You're getting dog hair all over the blood samples. And she's like, whatever. It's fine. Not a big deal. And then Balto, of course, is not potty trained and because he's partially so young. And so he is in the middle of board meetings with Elizabeth and you know there's people like Henry Kissinger in the room and Baltos like taking a dump in the corner of the room and the personal assistants and security detail are left to kind of clean up the mess. What do you think was the impetus behind
1: uh, her acquisition of, of Balto was it that she was trying to um, I mean did she just want company on some human level was no. she trying to tell no no, no. employees she,
0: that this is this is a metaphor for how we're gonna regrow the company or did she, did she just want to look nuts I think it's a little bit of everything with the exception of the company I, I I'm you know I've seen pictures of her with Balto and um, uh, by the way the Balto story gets crazier and we'll get to where and how it gets crazier uh, in a minute but you know, she's, she seems to like the dog. She would put it on its, on her lap and pet it, and it went with her everywhere from home. She was still living at the time in the Los Altos Hills in a 10,000-square-foot house by herself. Most of the rooms were empty, um, as I report in the story. The, there's, uh, she has some furniture, which her mom had shipped out in a shipping container because Elizabeth didn't buy any furniture, partly because I don't think her brain worked that way. Um mm-hmm. Uh, but Balto's in the in the office with her, meetings on planes, you name it, and and I think that she thought that it was a good story. What what Elizabeth is incredible at is telling stories, and I think that the idea that. She could have this dog with her that she gets to tell this story about this dog that saved humanity, essentially, in her eyes, um, just like she was doing with Theranos. Um, it was kind of an uplifting story of, of how she was going to do the same thing for her company Theranos. What happens, though, is that uh, somewhere along the way, pretty soon, actually, after she gets the dog, she decides, she somehow figures out that... Balto, like all dogs, by the way, is like 2% wolf. And from this moment forward, she decides that she's now, whenever anyone asks what kind of dog Balto is, or if they say, is that a Siberian Husky, Elizabeth responds by saying, no, it's a wolf. So she's literally walking around uh, all over Palo Alto, all over the office, telling people that her dog is actually a wolf. I'm surprised actually at
1: some point that the police weren't called because um, you, 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 <laughs> I'm serious though. You 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 would think in a um, in in extremely wealthy Northern California bedroom community like like Palo Alto or Los Altos that um, if uh, some mom asked, "Oh, what's your breed of dog?" and Elizabeth Holmes said, "It's a wolf," she'd say, "Holy shit! I'm gonna call um, uh, you know pest control or whatever you do now." But wait, so Nick, I want to. Um, I want to stay on Balto, but in the Balto era here because it's, it's, it's a really dark time, right? Um, there's all this money being spent on, on, on legal fees, but tell us what Elizabeth Holmes's lifestyle is like because I know that there had to be some downsizing to account for all the, the lawsuits, but was, was she um,
0: uh, weaning off of the luxury she'd gotten used to? She had weaned off a little bit of the luxury she'd gotten used to. I mean, I think you know, and you you know, some of this is detailed in this story. Some of it's detailed in John Kerry's book, Bad Blood, which you should read; just in t- truly incredible. Uh, and and some of it you can just see photos of. Um, uh, but what happens is, in the one of the things that Elizabeth was really good at was spending money and other people's money, and so they end up getting nine hundred million dollars, almost a billion dollars in funding. Which literally, she just flittered away. Uh, at first, she's spending money on stupid things, you know, like a $100,000 conference room table uh, that I have no idea how you pull off a $100,000 on a single conference room table. Other things she's spending money on is uh, she is um flying on private jets she's got her own security detail Uh, as i said earlier she is she's got this this home in the los altos hills that theranos is paying for which costs tens of thousands of dollars a month she is um expensing everything one person told me that i spoke to that she would literally sometimes expense the six the six mile drive (laughs) the gasoline for the six mile drive from her house to the office um
1: and There's also a is, great line in that story that um, in a story where, where someone tells you, someone had to be paying for all those Birkin bags.
0: Yeah, and she's you know she's living a, a very lavish lifestyle, flying all over the world. Um, she also, this is not in the piece, but this is something that that I heard numerous times is that she's a she loves to talk about her celebrity friends. She would you know some come into the office and be like, oh, I was at Cheryl's house last night, or I'm seeing Mark for lunch later. You know, not saying of course Mark Zuckerberg, but you know, implying that based on the fact that, you know, who Mark is in Silicon Valley. And so, she's living this very lavish lifestyle. And I think that um, at some point, someone says to her, hey, this is not necessarily your money to be spending, uh, you know, on, on all these crazy things. And, She's dismissive of it. Um, this I think a few people actually told her this. and um, eventually she agrees to you know downgrade to first class and um, and she kind of tones it down a little bit. But at the very, very end of the company, when there's literally just over a dozen people left, the last few employees were two of her personal assistants, her two drivers, she had to have two drivers. And her security detail and a publicist that she had the company paying $25,000 a month for. So, you know, the company is completely crumbling and it's still half of the employees are uh, dedicated to Elizabeth Holmes. You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. Life insurance is one of those topics that everyone knows a little about. But do you understand it well enough to actually feel comfortable buying it? Whether you're an insurance expert or a newbie, Policy Genius created a website that makes it easy for you to compare quotes, get advice, and get covered. Policy Genius is the easy way to get life insurance. In minutes, you can compare quotes from top insurers to find the coverage that you need at a price you can afford. From there, you just apply online, and the advisors of Policy Genius will help handle all the red tape. And trust me, there's a lot of red tape in insurance. They'll even negotiate your rate with the insurance company. There's no extra fees, no commission sales agents, just helpful advice and personalized service. And it's not just there for life insurance. I recently used it to get an auto insurance quote. It's brilliant, easy, so simple to use. You have to check it out. So no matter how much or how little you know about life insurance, you can find the right policy in minutes at policygenius.com. Once again, that is policygenius.com. Policygenius, the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. It's not surprising if you have two or three high-interest credit cards in your wallet right now. Why not pay them off with a credit card consolidation loan from my friends at Lightstream? Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. Quickly roll your balances from multiple credit cards into one single monthly low payment. Get a low fixed interest rate and free up money in your monthly budget. You can say goodbye to credit card bills and take even more control of your money. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have a rate of just 5.95% APR with autopay. And there are absolutely no fees. You even get your money the same day you apply. Here's a testimonial from someone that used it. Finding out about Lightstream couldn't have come at a better time. I wish I had found out about Lightstream sooner. 1,000% recommend to everyone. Lightstream has a special, special rate for listeners of Inside the Hive today. You can apply today and get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to do this is to go to lightstream.com. hive That's L-I-G-H-T dot com slash hive that's lightstream.com slash hive subject to credit approval rate includes a 0.50% auto pay discount terms and conditions apply and offers a subject to change without notice visit lightstream.com slash hive for more information
1: one of the other real sort of totems of the decline of theranos is um the documenting story is they moved from 1701, is what they called it, right? 1701 Page Mill Road, which is the, the really extravagant office space they were in that I think cost around a, a million a month to rent. I mean, just just you know, really extravagant. It wasn't their lab, it wasn't the technical office, it was the sort of show-off office. And then they moved to to, to Newark, right? Um, what, what, what did that transition signify? Because
0: that seemed to be some sort of um, demonstration of defeat on some level, right? So the thing that I think is the most astounding, and this comes from numerous former employees and executives I spoke to for this story, um, even a former board member, um, the thing that's so astounding is that you know, it's it's amazing that, that the company raised almost a billion dollars and spent um, most of it. What's more amazing is that uh, in the last year of the company's life... Um, There was $250 million in the bank, and all of it was spent within one year, and by some estimates, 90% of that was on legal fees. There was a point in time where um, I was told by a couple of people that there was as many as nine different law firms on retainer uh, Mm -hmm. representing Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, Sonny Balwani, her former boyfriend and also um, co-conspirator who ran the company with her. Uh, they all had indemnity agreements with Theranos so that if anything ever happened, the fir- the company would have to pay for their legal fees. So they're literally going through millions and millions and millions of dollars a month just paying legal fees. They're being investigated by everyone. Uh, they have civil suits, you name it, coming after them. And um, and at the same time, they have this million-dollar-a-month uh, rent for this, this building, 1701-page mill. They have... You know, millions plus for employees and, and, of course, Elizabeth's lifestyle. And so they, they eventually have to pack up shop. I, I asked one source, you know, who was there that day, was Elizabeth upset? Like, did she leave, you know, and stop? And as you would if your company was crumbling. Sure, sure, it it's human. volition. Did which, did she stop and her and Balto have a moment where they looked back at the room and the person said no? She just walked out the door like it was, th- wow. it, and 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 she was and this is something that I heard from everyone I spoke to throughout this entire thing. She's happy and chirpy and chipper and just obli- not oblivious because she knows what's going on, but just seems like she doesn't give a shit what's going on. She thinks that it's all going to work out and it doesn't matter, and she's walking around the office as happy as can be. And so what happens is they they have no choice but to leave um, the, the main Theranos headquarters, and they, they go across the bay to Newark, California, not Newark, New Jersey, although it would have been more after Sure, it's, it's, it's an appropriate comparison here, yeah. Yeah, appropriate comparison. And they go there, and, and the Newark lab is, um, is essentially the last place standing, and the Arizona lab that they had 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 been shut down, um, uh, the, you know, Theranos headquarters have, have been actually, ironically, uh, have been now taken over by, um, Stanford university, which is where Elizabeth originally went to school and where this whole thing started. Uh, and they moved to the Newark lab and the Newark lab is a, if you imagine a massive, massive building that used to be home to a, um, panel maker. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they put some of the lab stuff down there and then all the employees go up to the to the second floor, and immediately, you know, people have described the Newark Lab to me as essentially kind of a little grimy, someone said it was a shithole, someone actually said that they were happy they were there, because it was like, this was the opportunity to stop focusing on the glitz and the glamour that was of the old building, with the, the fancy cafeteria and all the fancy furniture and whatnot, and it was like, this was the opportunity to get down to business, and so they get there. And everyone is sharing these desks. It's like four per, four people to a desk. They all lost their offices and cubicles and whatnot, uh, except Elizabeth, who takes a big corner office with uh, Balto, the wolf. Dun dun dun.
1: You know, one of the one of the things that people forget about theranos is, um, you know, look, m- most companies fail, right? And I think that for a long time, some parts of. Um, there were some communities within Silicon Valley that um, that almost forgave her because they 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 didn't they knew you fake it till you make it um, in some degree. And I, that's that's a, not something that I think is an acceptable excuse when it comes to a, a biomedical company or, or uh, a company that that purported to do what she said Theranos was going to do. But one thing that is shocking to me that that you get at in this story is her accountability to the board like as you said before she was an extraordinary bullshitter she raised 900 and some million dollars from you know from from people as smart as rupert murdoch she was able to tell a great story to the tech press that that ate it up um but it's hard to bullshit dr k i know i know that the board was not made up of scientists but still, like, Jim Mattis, Henry Kissinger, these were these were really smart people on, on the board. I think Bill Fritz on the board, too. Um, what was your sense of the, her relationship with the board in the later stage of the company's life?
0: Uh, it's a great question, and it's one that I had grappled with trying to understand that up until doing this story. And I've written a bunch of stories on Theranos, as of a lot of people, and the thing I could never figure out Well, the two things I could never figure out. One was, you know, what kind of psychological problems Elizabeth Holmes must have that she doesn't feel regret about this this whole thing. Uh, But that's an unanswerable question. But the question that is answerable is what was going on with the board? And this is the case. This is the thing that bothers me most about Silicon Valley in general. You know, you have Mark Zuckerberg and and Sheryl Sandberg doing things that Are affecting our democracy. You have um, you have Jack Dorsey doing things that are uh, are also hurting our democracy with bots and and not stopping the hate speech and so on. Uh, And you also it's just Elon Musk just this week you know tweeting things that he's not supposed to tweet uh, that could upset the SEC. And you have I think um, a situation with Elizabeth Holmes where the board does nothing here also so i i did ask one of the board members um a former board member you know what's going on um when uh when this this is all taking place is the board uh upset are they um, you know are they doing are they trying to like get her uh to stop doing what she's doing are they talking about putting someone new in what what is going on and the thing that I was told was in the early days, the board actually did um, – they did like Elizabeth. They thought she was amazing. They, they were smitten with her. Uh, when the original carry you thing happens – Sorry, they, and, they and Nick, just to pin you down quickly there
1: before um, we go to the, um, what happened after John's articles came out. I, is it fair to say that these are not scientifically savvy people necessarily? They're people who've, who've made their careers in in you know statecraft or, 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 or the law um, – but that that at the very least they saw a young charismatic person who was just trying to disrupt like uh, you know I think mean, lab testing is like a sixty billion dollar industry w- was there some sense that that you know the the product would get
0: there one day even if it wasn't there now and, and that- they they, be- they believed that the product was there um, okay. you know Elizabeth had told them that the product was there that they were that the company was making money that the Arizona lab was making money. Um, you know, they believe that this is a, that this is a, uh, a company that is, is on its way to being a multi-billion dollar company, which it is, and it's going to, you know, be profitable and IPO and, and change the lab testing industry and make trillions of dollars and God knows what the thing that you keep, you know, you keep bringing up and a lot of people keep bringing this up is you know, Henry Kissinger, people like that, uh, um, are on, these are super smart people. I think for a lot of these guys on the board, and I say guys, cause it was all, all men, um, they, they'd spend their life, life in public service. And usually what happens when you do that is you go on and you write a book and you go do some speaking and you make a good amount of money and you you know, you know have a nice life, and uh, but you don't get rich. Um, and I think that the opportunity to get on some of these boards is usually where at the end of these people's careers when they're in their 90s, the 70s, 80s, 90s, is that they actually get to make some money that they can leave for their family. And I think that they saw... They were smitten by Elizabeth, and they saw this as an opportunity to, to make a lot of money. And I think that uh, they didn't necessarily ask the right questions in, in the process there. The time that they do start asking questions is, is, is after Carrie's story comes out, and it turns out that there are some government agencies that are investigating um, Holmes and in Theranos uh, because things the test results aren't accurate and one of the board members says or a few of the board members say hey why don't we just put this to rest you know there's there's a let's do a test a blood test and we will compare it to blood tests from two or three other companies and a university lab. And if all the tests are accurate and and line up, then we can say, hey, screw you, we're great, you're wrong, and we can keep going. If it turns out the tests are not wrong, we have $250 million in the bank, we can fix the problem and get back to business. Uh, Say we made a mistake, no big deal. So Elizabeth said, hey, great idea, and off she goes to do the test. But every time the board kept saying, where are the results, she had a different story. She at one point said that, that the tests, there'd been a problem with the tests. Another point she said that the results weren't in yet. There was always this different thing. And finally, I said to someone, I said, you know, was there ever a point that the board lost it? And said, what the hell's going on here? And there was one moment when, um, and this is, you know, uh, around the time, shortly before Balto comes along, but there's one moment where uh, there was someone who was brought into the board to a financial person to explain some of the finances going on in the company because the board was asking, and they came to realize that they had been told that the Arizona lab was making a lot more money than it actually was, and they had been essentially deceived, and they, they at this point lost it, and one person apparently was irate. <clears throat> Shortly after that, of course, Elizabeth switched up the board and put new people in. But... Uh- Th- they
1: had no real revenue, right? I mean, these—it was only in about forty Walgreens, and, th- and that was the only source of revenue. Is um uh, w- yeah, this, w- 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 I mean, was she was she lying to a- board members? Was, was she was she telling them that
0: there there was money that that just wasn't there? I asked and and uh, the response I got was not a yes, she was lying. It was that she was not being forthright with the truth, which was a very you know kind of careful way of saying it but but I think that she was. I think th- I think that when you look at, evidence and if you look at the criminal complaints and you look at the sec they all say the same thing that she was dishonest and Mm -hmm. it was grossly dishonest across the board in every instance and i think that um it's it's just astounding that she managed to do this for so long one of the most interesting
1: things in your story um towards the end of the, the the end end of theranos um so now we're into 2018 um uh, you know, people are, are are being, I guess, you know, um asked to to give depositions to, to government agencies. They're they're resigning every day, they're going to that, that famous bar in Palo Alto to have goodbye parties. And she was in a fantastic mood. She 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 was she was not um, most people would would have seeped into a Great Depression, but Elizabeth Holmes um either had compartmentalized it or turned it on. And you um you describe her in the story as as being like unbelievably perky and 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 friendly to colleagues and uh, acting as though nothing had happened,
0: so the the company is is yeah at this point. So I'll go back to when they get to the Newark lab. They you know all the employees are there, and uh, the one thing that's interesting about Theranos is they uh, Elizabeth and Sonny Balwani, um, her, who had now been pushed out of the company at this point. In the for years, had given speeches in front of the employees, often in the cafeteria. And you have people in lab coats and you know scientists and and physicians. You name it, all standing around listening to to these speeches and engineers and and PR people and and everything and lawyers. And they would always end. They would often end these speeches with a kind of <coughs> chant. Like at one point, there was a chant about a competitor where they led the chant with fuck you in the competitor's name. When John Kerryu had first put out his story um, uh, in 2015 about um, all the problems at Theranos, uh, Balwani led a, a chant that Elizabeth was involved in and everyone else got involved with it, with it was fuck you, Carrey, you um, uh his last name. And uh, everyone cheered. And it was just a part of the company's DNA. And so when they get to the Newark Lab and they're very clearly kind of running on fumes as far as money goes at this point, uh, Elizabeth manages to uh, to, to secure um, money, so she holds a big all hands meeting, gathers everyone around, and she says, it's "Great, great news! Uh, Fortress, the hedge fund, is going gonna, is gonna to give us a hundred million dollar loan secured against our patents and investments, and this, that, and the other. And um, it's you know we have a, a, a new runway of a hundred million bucks to fix everything." Uh, and she stops the speech and it's dead silent like not a squeak not a breath nothing and you and think it's because people her colleagues thought that she was stupid they 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 hated her they didn't know, trust they her anymore no they just were so they just they, they were so sick of the fact that first of all that they, they just at this point knew that that this was never going to get fixed that that right. she you know they're watching this person who is her back's up against the wall, like, shit's falling apart everywhere, the seams, the boards leaving, the, the t- millions a month in legal fees, you name it. And she, what does she do? She goes and gets a dog that she brings to the office and so she starts calling a wolf. Like, she, she's walking around, everyone's, you know, completely depressed. They're being asked to give depositions to the FDA and the SEC and this, that, and the other. They're all terrified that, that you know, they've got lawyers. It's just crazy pure craziness and Elizabeth is wandering around like it's her birthday and hugging people and smiling and laughing and you know offering to find them jobs and it, it's just, just crazy and, and I think they're just at this point they're just fed up and so she gives the speech and they're like no one says anything, and Elizabeth's shocked because in her mind they should all be cheering. Like we're all in this together. We're all on this quest from you know Anchorage, Alaska, with Balto to save save the universe. And and everyone was just they were done. And she said, "Does anyone have any questions?" And again, it was just pure silence. Um, and I think you know after that, you know people really started to leave the company, as you mentioned. They, um, there's a famous uh, bar in Palo Alto called Antonio's Nut House, And um, it's famous because it's where all the – it's a total shithole. I've been there before. There's a, there's a gorilla in the middle that serves you – it's not a real gorilla, but it serves you uh, uh, peanuts. Um, you know, it's like the tip – t- it's, it's a diviest dive bar you could imagine. And, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and a, Apple A dive executes. bar in the uh, richest um, uh, yeah. square mile of God's green earth, yeah. Yeah, and it's I think the irony is is like you know people like Zuckerberg, uh, I've been there with some people from Apple and Google and places like that. Like they go because it's like they're just like us, you know, and so. But a lot of the times because it's this dive bar that's become an, an icon in in the Valley, you, people have going away parties when employees leave to go to other companies. What happened with Theranos in the last years? You could have shown up there. Any night of the week, and there would be a going away drinks thing for someone uh, who worked at that company. Uh, people were leaving in such droves. What was
1: the 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 vibe of um, the people that you've talked to who've left there? No, so have they been blackballed by their
0: experience there, or is there so much volatility in Silicon Valley that they just move on? I'll say I'll say two things. Um, one is, and I and I said this to the the, one of the sources i spoke to first and then went back to later after i spoke to several other people but one of the things that is consistent uh is people people hate elizabeth that used to work for her they they have such anger towards her they feel so slighted by her they think that she was that she screwed up their careers their lives that she lied that she didn't care about anyone but herself, and people are really angry at her, um, and justifiably so. And the reason for that is, and this is a consistent thing I heard, um, most people who worked for Theranos have been unable to find work, um, especially those that were there at the very end. Uh, you know, I heard stories about uh, one person who was on job interview, went through the up the, the ladder, um, and um, finally got to Pretty close to the top, and and I guess the CEO or someone up there uh, looked at the resume and said, "Oh, you worked at Theranos. I'm sorry, we can't we can't hire you. That's like a that's that's a bad look for us. Another person who was working at a company who someone you know people found out they worked at Theranos and they were asked not to work there anymore. You know things like that that have happened. Uh, and there are lots and lots of stories of someone who was telling me that one of their colleagues is like. Back living at home with their parents in a state of depression because their their eight years of degrees are are now kind of invalid because Theranos is, is on their resume, um, and so I think that people are really pissed off about it. And now, and what else you're seeing is, is that Elizabeth um, is on social media. Uh, she's now engaged. She's a. a Um, she met a guy who's 10 years younger than her. She's engaged too. And she's on social media having like the time of her life and posting pictures and going to horse races and, you know, living this life as if nothing ever happened. Is she still out in the Valley? Is she, um, yeah. So she eventually, so, so I, the one time that Elizabeth ever lost her cool, uh, at least as far as I'm aware was, um, and really lost. It was, uh, Part of the deal that they had made with Fortress, uh, my understanding, is that um, Fortress, uh, there was some language in the deal that if there was ever criminal charges or something like that, that, that Elizabeth would have to step down as CEO or chairman or whatever it was. And when the criminal charges were filed, she she was forced to do that. Um, there were 11 criminal counts charged against her. Um, the uh the cfo or the financial folks at theranos were like look we can't continue to pay for your lifestyle anymore uh we can't continue to pay for your ten thousand square foot los altos house and the mm-hmm. cars and the drivers and this that and the other and apparently according to folks that were there she she lost her shit um and uh was like an irate teenager um screaming and yelling um at this but
1: that's interesting so so your story ends, um, uh, you know, at least chronologically um, to some extent with, you know, the end of Theranos. So, so but Elizabeth Holmes uh, gets Balto in September twenty seventeen. By September twenty eighteen, Theranos is done. It shuttered. That nine hundred uh, million bucks is up in smoke. Um, but what's so fascinating to me is that you're reporting that after Theranos, one could put. She had her eye on a new
0: kind of redemption story. Tell us what's going on now with her. Well, the first thing that happens uh, is towards the end, as this is all really, really coming apart and, you know, everyone's leaving and it's clear that this thing's done uh, and it's they've got all these law firms. Uh, Elizabeth, I don't know what the hell's going through her head, but she, she decides that she's going to take Balto the wolf because we've got to come back to Balto here. And she is going to enroll him in a search and rescue program so that in case there's ever a big, massive earthquake in California, she will be able to go with Balto uh, and rescue people um, from the rubble. There's two problems here. One is uh, she doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. Uh, Balto is a Siberian Husky, and Huskies are not dogs that are used in search and rescue. There's a reason you don't see them in the rubble when buildings collapse, because they are runners. They run from Anchorage, Alaska to places 600 miles away with uh, serums that Cure diphtheria. They, they, you know, these are these are running dogs that will run and chase things. And so they go, every weekend, Elizabeth goes with Balto to this search and rescue place, and Balto is chasing squirrels and other dogs, and eventually, of course, fails out of, of this. Eventually, what happens is, you know, she gets these criminal charges, um, the company shuts its doors, uh, she has to leave Los Altos and her big house and she goes up to San Francisco and she now lives in a, um, a relatively small condo uh, she's engaged to this guy uh, who works in the driverless car industry um, and she believes that she was the one who was slighted and she is the victim in this whole story um, she thinks that, this all is the, the fault of John Carrey, you. Um They think that uh, – she thinks that – sorry um, – that it's her lawyer's fault for not stopping John. She truly believes that she could have gone to the journal uh, when these first stories come out, came out and, and used her magic witch powers to, uh, to convince John, a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter – Uh, to have not done these stories, which I think is just kind of unbelievably ludicrous that she even believes that. Um, And she blames her lawyers and the team around her for not not giving her the right – or not making the right decisions. Meanwhile, the thing that I've always heard from the beginning of when I first started reporting about her and the company years ago is that there was not a single decision that went through – Uh, the company uh, that did not go through her. Uh, Hiring took months sometimes because she had to be the one to finally approve the hiring of people even in low-down positions. Um, So she's now living with Balto in um, San Francisco, and uh, she goes out a lot to cafes and restaurants. She tells people that people always come up to her and tell her how much they admire her and that they're rooting for her, Um, which I don't know if that's true or not. It's, It's Silicon Valley, so it could very well be true uh uh but that's that's where things stand right now and she wants to get her side of the story out there too right yep. she wants to yep.
1: she she thinks that she's been she's been victimized here and um uh
0: that that there's another <laughs> she-
1: act left in her
0: she believes. Well, first of all, I've heard um, uh, from one source that she's trying to start a new company. Uh, I've heard from other In sources that. What space that, do you? What, what kind of? Um... I don't know. I do. All I know is that that there were people that confirmed that she had met with VCs about a new company. I there are VCs <laughs> out there uh, who will remain nameless because they are litigious people that um, that I know she's met with that would probably fund her. That's crazy. Uh, that's
1: crazy. Yeah, which um, is
0: insane, totally insane. That's, that's um, she nuts. is also... Um, she wants to write her own book that will compete okay. with John Carreuse, that will... Be called Good Blood or something. I don't know. Uh, that will tell her side of the story. She has trying. She's been meeting meeting with documentary filmmakers. She wants to tell her own side of the story through a documentary. I mean, God knows w- where this is going to go. I, I think that the thing that is 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 really kind of crazy is that she has eleven criminal counts against her. She could go to jail for twenty years. She could go to jail for more than twenty years. Mm-hmm. It, the, the 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 district attorney who's handling the case, the DOJ. Sorry. Right. Um, said in a recent statement, they're going through 17 million words of documents, um, all from the early days of Theranos onwards, and um, if they and that the that the case seems to be much larger and go much deeper than they originally uh, thought it did when they first brought those 11 counts. And the other thing I've heard is that um, from a very reliable source on this one is that um, is that the the DOJ and the FBI. Um, are not are using all of this reporting from you, from Market Watch, from TechCrunch, Forbes, all of the things that when Elizabeth Holmes went out there and she originally was doing these stories and these interviews talking about how she could do a thousand tests from one blood prick, she could, you know, all these things that she was saying that were BS, those are the things that will probably come back to haunt her mm. because that's her words that's the company's words and and um and they're completely uh different from what reality really was nick
1: i'll get you out of here on this um and then you can you can have your podcast back next week but why do you think this case has so fascinated people you know it it's occasionally we we find a um a sort of so-called business world um villain who just you know um Consumes the popular culture. Uh, Bernie Madoff was one, but of course he was because the 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 vast criminality of um, his enterprise was was, was galling. Um, uh, Mark Dreyer, uh, another I, I, I suppose, um, Michael Milken in the eighties. Though he certainly redeemed himself. My God, what a second act! But it's really really rare. Why do you think Elizabeth Holmes' story uh, has, has so fascinated people? And and does it look differently in a world where Like you know, Theranos made gigantic mistakes before um, the Russians hacked Facebook to deliver an election to Donald Trump. Do do, do her do her misdeeds
0: seem different now that we know how truly bad Silicon Valley can be? I think the difference with the the thing with the Elizabeth Holmes story is the thing that we wish would happen with everything. You know, it's this: we live in a world where once again. You know, this has happened for for hundreds and hundreds of years, where the rich, powerful people get away with the things they get away with. You know, it was kings and queens, and it was hedge fund guys, and it was the media, and now it's Silicon Valley, and I'm sure there's a million things in between there. Where Me Me Too is part of that, too, by the way. I think that that's part of the... Yeah, Me Too is part of that. Black Lives Matter is part of that. We we live in a world where people have gotten away with things um, for so long that we all knew was unjust, and... And you see that happening in Silicon Valley. You see Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg not the, suffering zero reprisals for all the things they did that led to um, the, uh, the fake news and the rise of Trump. Uh, you know, I have a guest on the podcast next week, um, uh, Rajan McNamee, who has a book out called "Zucked," who is, is going to talk about that very thing about how he warned Facebook before the even election happened, that there was fake news happening and, and they kind of, and Cheryl and Mark just kind of brushed it off as not a big deal. They tried to water down the reports from from employees that um, that said th- that these things were happening. You see it with Jack Dorsey, you see it with Elon Musk, you see time and time and time again, Peter Thiel, you know, getting away with what he gets away with, um, uh, running a company that, that, that plant Palantir, that literally takes our data and uses it against us. And there's nothing we can do about it. And what happens with the Elizabeth Holmes story is that finally, someone who did something really bad, who, who did a blood testing product that was harming, truly harming patients, could have killed people, um, that, that they're finally, that they suffered the consequences of that. And I think that's why everyone wants to read this story. We want to feel like the bad guy uh, or the bad woman or whatever it is, that they... That they uh, end up suffering the consequences. And I think that's why this is such a fascinating story. I think the thing that's so interesting is that, you know, and this is in, in my piece, is that, you know, the all the people who run these companies, they they have the same kind of mentality. They have this they you know Mark Zuckerberg looks at the 2.4 billion people on Facebook and says well, where are the other 3.7 billion on earth that should be on this platform you know these are people who they, they have kind of psychological problems where n- nothing is ever enough being the richest man on earth a Jeff Bezos is not enough um, he still treats every single day like it's the first day of, of work for his company for Amazon and I think that um, you know we we all can't do much to stop this from all happening uh and then here's an instance where we did
1: well on that bright and, and chipper note um <laughs> nick i'll, well, I'll one, let you out of your own
0: podcast there's way there's one other thing that i think that that that, that we we forgot to mention which i think is actually pretty funny is there's a part in the story which where i kind of talk about all the crazy shit about the all these CEOs, they the, the thing that I find so fascinating is that all these CEOs in Silicon Valley have these, these very bizarre quirks. Uh, and they, they have them because they want to be, they, they want to be separated, even though they're like of the top echelon of, of humanity and, and the most powerful people on earth, they, it's still not enough for them. And so like Steve Jobs used to wear his black turtleneck and, um, uh, and try and park in handicapped spots. And was a fruitarian. Mark Zuckerberg had this phase where he used to kill his own animals that he would eat and taser them and then shoot them with a some weird gun. Yeah, you had uh, you have uh, what's his name Thiel who allegedly uh, talked about drinking the the blood of young people to to be able to live longer. Uh, the CEO of Nintendo who walks around with a He walks around with a uh, A a tape measure, so so he can measure. He he guesses the size of like a table or a chair and then measures it to see if he's right. And if he's if he's wrong, he like goes. He's he like he's very upset with himself. And then you've got Holmes, who's like who kind of encapsulates all of these weird quirks. She's like she wanted so badly to be to be famous, to stand out, to do all these things that um you know she starts wearing the black turtleneck. She she only drinks weird green juices. She um. You know, she goes through all these bizarre things and, um, and, and eventually gets a dog called Balto that she tells everyone is a wolf. So, we'll see where it goes. Nick,
1: go. Nick Bilton, thanks for appearing on Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. <laughs> is there, is there, it was a real pleasure to have you. You're thanks fired. For I'm, I'm
0: hijacking this show. Thanks for being the host of the podcast, uh, John Kelly, and uh, be sure to check out the story on Vanity Fair's Hive. Thanks to my guest today. Uh, That's me, Nick Bilton, and of course, John Kelly for being the host. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. There are lots and lots to listen to in the archives. You can find these, of course, on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors this week. Groa and Policy Genius, please support them the same way you support this podcast. I will see you all next week for another exciting episode of Inside the High.